glad you're here today. I'm glad I'm here today. Uh, I wrote at the top of my notes. I've, I've gotten in the habit of typing my notes out. You can see them. I try to be one page. Otherwise, we'll be here all day, which I know you'd like to be. Uh, but <clears throat> I wrote at the top, uh, excited and nervous energy today. Because I am excited. Uh, I'm, I'm excited about what God's done in the life of our church. Uh, but truthfully, I'm more excited about what God will do in the life of our church uh, over the next two, three, four, five, 25 years. Uh, I'm excited about that. And, and I'm particularly excited about uh, where we're headed uh, over these next couple of years as we look ahead. And today's passage for many of us, it is a passage that uh, we probably know to be true. If I asked you, tell me where to find this phrase, you could say, oh, it's in the Bible. Uh, just because I asked you the question. If somebody else asked you, you might say, oh, I don't know who said that. Because I asked you, you would know it. But it's one of those passages uh, that's great to be reminded of part of our calling as followers of Jesus. That this is what our life should be about if I claim the name of Jesus. If I claim to have faith in Christ, then this aspect of my life should be true. And it should be evident to others about my attitude towards this thing. And as Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, that's where we'll be today in 2 Corinthians, as Paul is writing to the church of Corinth, what he's doing is he's encouraging them, but he's also reminding them. And I'm sure you've done this before as well, maybe with your spouse, with your kids, somebody at work who you're on a project together and you, you may say something like this, I'm sure you're already aware of this, but just your subtle way of saying, hey, don't drop the ball. Or I don't need to remind you about this because you already know. But then we go ahead and tell them what they should already know because we're confident they don't know. They've forgotten in the New Testament, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, that's where we're going to be specifically, uh, Paul is working toward a goal. Uh, he's attempting to raise support for a ministry, for, for a ministry endeavor, and he's writing back to the church at Corinth and reminding them, hey, I know you already know this, but remember you made a commitment. <laughs> you, you said you were going to jump in and be a part of this great missionary effort that we're attempting to accomplish all across our world. And so his reminder today is a reminder for us uh, as well. And I know you already know this, but we're making it a priority to become disciple-making missionaries. That's who we are. That's who we should be. That's who we want to be, disciple-making missionaries. And as a part of that, we want to create a space for our neighbors because we're going to love our neighbors well, and some of them are going to end up worshiping with us, and we want to create a space for them. I know you already know that, but just let me remind you today of something you already know because you hopefully got something in the mail this week to remind you even more about what we're doing. 
But all kidding aside, uh, my prayer, uh, like the prayer that Paul had for the church at Corinth, is that we would be people of generosity. And if you go on our website ever and you look about us, one of our core values is generous living. That's, that's who we are. That's who we desire to be. And, and let me affirm you in that, and I say a lot, you, you are a generous people. Uh, you're, you're generous time and time and time again. But as you think about how we are to be generous, uh, I do want to encourage you to be cheerful in your generosity. And that's what Paul was trying to teach and share with the church at Corinth, that they would be cheerful, joyful, as we've even sung this morning. That if the whole of the world, all of nature, were at my disposal, that would be an offering too small. Think about that, that wonderful song that's been around forever. If I had the whole of nature to give as an offering to the Lord, it would be too small because I would want to give him back even more than that. And so I want us to look this morning at 2 Corinthians 9. We're going to read beginning in verse 5 all the way to verse 12. But, but we're going to focus on verses 6 through 12, but I want to read verse 5 because it kind of sets the stage uh, for what we're doing. So I thought, verse 5, I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead to you and arrange in advance for the gift you have promised, so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not as an exaction, a duty, a compulsion. So the first part is, hey guys, remember we're raising some funds for this big project we got going. We want to take the gospel to the whole world. Remember you made a commitment. So I sent these guys on ahead so that you would be ready to give this wonderful gift, not out of duty, not out of compulsion, not because we twisted your arm, but because you want to. And so he goes on and says, the point is this, verse six, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you. Don't miss that passage. God's able to make all grace abound to you. What, what an amazing gift the gift of grace to you and me, getting what we do not deserve. That's our God that we serve. He gives us what we do not deserve. He's able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he is distributed freely. He is given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You'll be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. 
For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also over, overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. Paul, before we started reading, brags on the church because they've been faithful in their support. And I want to brag on you because you've been faithful in your support of the church, not just for Prepare the Way, uh, but in our regular giving. Um, every year that I've been here and even before that, uh, we have given more than we've spent, and so we've had a surplus because of your generosity, because of your faithfulness, because of your cheerful giving. And so Paul, as he writes to them, he, he's thankful for their support their support to carry out the mission of Jesus Christ, to share the good news of Jesus Christ through missionaries, through planting churches, and now through this new work that these other missionaries are trying to, to move forward with. This passage is kind of a, a, a way to go. You're awesome. You're amazing. Not like way to go, like way to go. That's what I mean. Like you're the best. But it's also... Hey, hey, uh, don't let me down. It's also a hey, the church needs you. It's also a hey, if you're not in the game, get in the game. We, we want you. We need you. Come on. We need you to start sowing bountifully. He wants them to, to maintain their enthusiasm in the gospel work, to maintain their enthusiasm and their generosity and their support of kingdom work. And he wants it to be a willing gift, not out of duty, not like a tax. Because nobody likes taxes. Even, even if you get money back in April, you, you still have to fill out all that paperwork. Or you pay somebody to do it, right? That's even worse. I'm thankful that I have a family member who's a CPA. That's wonderful. So we buy our dinner. Sometimes. <laughs> but nobody likes a tax. We all love gifts though, don't we? We all love gifts. If you don't, see me later. We'll pray for you. Because we all love gifts. And most of us love to give gifts. And that's what Paul is reminding us, the, the great joy, the great calling to give a gift to our Lord, to give gifts for the kingdom, for eternity, for, for the gospel to go forward and and. As he writes here, he kind of lays it out pretty specifically. The point is, hey, in case you missed it, uh, this is what I mean. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. And we must give as we decide in our own heart, not reluctantly, for God loves a cheerful giver. The goal of giving is to reap a kingdom benefit. 
The goal of giving is to reap a kingdom benefit, not an earthly benefit, not a fleshly benefit, not to say, oh, man, I see what happened. Or look what I did. No, the goal is a kingdom benefit. The goal is that eternity is different because of my giving. And I may not see that, but I know that's what happens because God promises that. And the harvest, just like in farming and agriculture, the harvest is directly related to how much seed is sown. They're proportional. All things being equal, they're proportional. And so if I give generously, if I give cheerfully, if I give with joy, then God is going to bless that and the benefit is going to be bountiful. A word we don't use anymore. I don't, I, don't, I don't use the word bountiful. You know what I think about is a cornucopia at Thanksgiving. That's what I think about. Like just being honest with you. Right? <laughs> That's what I think about. But, but it's a sign of, of life and growth and harvest and something amazing. And you may or may not know this, but on a weekly basis, we need about $36,000 to carry out the mission of First Baptist Friendswood, $36,000 a week, give or take. That's what we need to the general budget. That's what we call it. So that we can see lives changed, so that we can see the gospel advance, so we can see kingdom benefit. And the reason you and I give, the reason why Paul is calling the church at Corinth to give is so that we can see lives changed for eternity. That's why we give. That's why we serve. That's why we live generous lives so that we can see lives change for eternity. My struggle is that sometimes I'm only concerned about tomorrow or dinner tonight or my car payment next week or actually for me last week. And, and I get more caught up in holding on instead of letting go and seeing an eternal perspective. And Paul is reminding the Corinthians, let's have an eternal perspective. Let's see the kingdom benefit. Because the reality is most of us don't see the kingdom benefit. We, we won't see it with our own eyes. We, we will not see it. You didn't see two weeks ago, those of you that are in this service, that we had to fill and heat the baptistry so we could baptize someone. You didn't see that. Most of us don't see how we bless children at Landold Elementary and the teachers when we surprise them with snack days and other stuff so that we can build relationships with them, encourage them, bring them the hope of the gospel. Most of you don't see that. But when you give cheerfully that you're making a difference there. Or at Westwood and Bales through the Club One ministry that we sponsor that every year and some of people in our church even volunteer over there to bring the gospel to elementary students. And numbers of them have accepted Christ. 
one of which we baptized last two weeks ago. Most of you don't see that. But when you give cheerfully and generously, you make a kingdom impact. We have a kingdom benefit in eternity. Eternity is different because of my giving. When our students go on mission trip to, to the city or down to Galveston or across our United States, when we have to purchase, oh, hey, two years ago, uh, that video camera right there and pay for the streaming service to make it happen. All, most of us got that benefit for a season at least. When you give cheerfully, you see the difference that it makes. Most of you don't see seven times a year when our Family Life Center is filled with 75 to 150 people, business leaders in our community through the Chamber of Commerce luncheons. And we're able to host that and be an encouragement to business leaders in our city or to the extracurricular activities from Friendswood ISD that have used the FLC for end-of-year banquets or the police department that uses it for training exercises. Most of us don't see that. We have an opportunity to, to see kingdom impact. That this morning, even though it's not so warm in here, at least the lights are on. And that's what our giving does. It also buys the flags that are out front so that when guests come, they know exactly where to go and we prepared for them, we're ready for them. We know, hey, we're expecting you because we want you to feel at home and be a part of who we are. That's the reason why we're looking at building this commons area so that when they park, they know exactly where to go and we can connect with them and build relationship with them and encourage them. That's why we give and so many other things that we don't see, not even that I see. But we give not because we can see it. We give because we want to give. We want to sow bountifully for kingdom impact, for kingdom benefit. And just like the Corinthians who probably didn't know everything that Paul and the group are doing, we don't know everything that's going on. But we're still called to give bountifully. And the challenge, and perhaps this is why Paul was writing to the church, we don't really know, but I know it's a challenge in today's church, and I don't just mean First Baptist Friendswood, I mean the big C church, capital C church, the universal church, the Catholic church. And I don't mean the Roman Catholics, I mean the Catholic church, universal church is that nearly 50% of the people, somewhere between 40 and 50% of the people in our church, and I know in churches in our area, give less than $1,000 a year. 40%, 50% give less than $1,000 a year to the cause of Christ in the local church. We have about 320 giving units in our church. And so all you math majors can do the math pretty quickly. That's the struggle. Is that most of us might be cheerful, but we're not really giving. 
And so what that means is about 50 people in our church give over a million dollars to make our budget go. And the other 200 plus give the other million. You can pick your feet up because I know I'm stepping on them. But that's, that's the call. And I've said this before, the median income, you can read the community impact paper and know this, that the median income in our area is about $90,000 a year, the median income. So that means half the people make more, half the people make less. And so some of you make more, some of you make less. Are we experiencing the joy of kingdom impact because we're cheerful givers. And so that's why I wrote this morning excited and nervous on the top of my paper because I'm excited about the fact that God's got all the money, all the resource, all the man and woman power that he needs right here in this room and in a little bit, the other people that come in and fill this room, he's got it all right here. Not just to cover the $1.85 million budget we have every year, the $36,000 a week, but also the $1.4 million that we're seeking to raise in the next two years. He, it's all right here, easily accessible. The math is pretty simple. And the reality is if, if we as a church would on a regular basis actually give cheerfully and bountifully, do you know what we wouldn't have to do? We wouldn't have to raise money for the commons because we'd have so much money that we could just pay cash for it right away. Because if we had those 300 giving units, 320 somewhere in there giving units in our church, if everybody gave about $9,000 a year, do you know why I say 9,000? because the median income is 90,000. That's 10% of 90,000. If, if we average that, 300 times 9,000 is what? 2.7 million. I know it's early and cold, but <laughs> $2.7 million. Just think about that, $2.7 million. If, if only 300 family units gave, we, that leaves another 20 of you to give a lot more than that if you need to. That was a joke. I know it's kind of hard this morning, but, but, but those things excite me. That excites me. Our budget is 1.854. But if... if 300 people, and I, and I know that's not true because not everybody's the median. But what the beauty of it is it's here. We have the opportunity to do great and mighty things. And I want to see kingdom impact from us. I want us to be able to see all these things happen. And, and when you and I give from the heart, not out of compulsion. We give from the heart that, Lord, I, I want to give. I want to see great things happen for the gospel. I want to see people's lives change. And, and Lord, it's okay that I don't know about it. It's okay that I don't know that we have a ministry at Westwood and Bales. I don't, it's okay that I don't know that we have something going on 
at Landville Elementary, it's okay that I don't know what our teenagers are doing all the time. It's okay that I don't know how we're engaging in the community in every way. It's okay. I trust you. I believe that you're working in and through the rest of our church to make it happen because I know I'm a disciple-making missionary. So if I'm a disciple-making missionary, then I trust that others in our church are too. And we're gonna see great things happen. And so I'm not just gonna engage financially. I'm just not gonna say, okay, God, here you go. Let somebody else handle it. No, when we give from the heart, we jump in. We're fully engaged. We're, we're involved. We wanna be a part of it. And so Paul is urging the church at Corinth, give from the heart. He's gonna supply all your needs. That's verses 10 and 11. He's gonna handle it. And so when we think about this thing, when we think about why we launched Prepare the Way campaign two years ago, it's this kind of stuff that we're thinking about. Lord, what could we do if we all joined together in a common vision with one heart full of generosity? What kind of kingdom impact could we make? How could we change eternity? And I shared with you last week kind of that three-pronged approach. I met with somebody this week and they, they talked about it. it looks three legs of a stool. Uh, two legs don't work so well. Four is good, but you need three. That we're gonna be disciple-making missionaries who strengthen families, love neighbors, and transform the community with the gospel. But we do that by making an impact in our community, and I've talked about that a lot this morning, uh, about being that disciple-making missionary and going out in these areas of our community, partnering with other organizations. And where we are here is to, to create that space for our neighbor to build the commons and the worship center extension, to, to remodel our sanctuary here and to build that new parking lot that we have in front. Uh, put that signage out on 518. We want to create a space for our, but the greatest thing that excites me in all this, I, I, I'm ready for this commons to be here. I, I'm excited. We had a meeting this past week with the construction company. I, I'm, I'm ready. I, I'm thrilled it's coming. I, I can't wait for us to break ground and show people, hey, turn here and, and stop saying we're behind Dunn Brothers or behind the bank. <laughs> like, I, I don't want to say that anymore. I want to say, you know, the church with the tower, that's us. And not because I want to be prideful about that. It's just because I want people to know this is a place they can come and be welcomed and encouraged and find hope and peace, that they can connect with you and me and, and build an eternal life, an abundant life, a full life. And so that's why we're doing this. And then the thing that excites me even more than that is that we have an opportunity. If you and I are generous, when we're generous, that we could see a new work started in our area, that we could plant a church, that we could help launch something great, which is kind of what Paul and them, they, they're, they're asking for support for these missionaries, for the ministry to, to go out and be in other parts of that region to continue the gospel work. And I talked to you about the 61,000 within our seven mile radius. And if we reach just 1% of that or 2%, 
What a difference that would make for eternity. Right here in Southeast Houston. That's why I'm excited. That's why I say probably more than you ever want me to say to be a disciple-making missionary who strengthens families and loves neighbors and transforms the community with the gospel. Because I know if I say it a thousand times, you'll hear it once. I know that. You'll hear it once. And if you and I don't have a heart, a cheerful heart, not just to give, but if we don't have a cheerful heart for our neighbor, today I want you to pray. I want you to pray for yourself and ask God to change your heart. Not so that you can give nine or 10 or $50,000, no. I want you to pray that you would ask and ask God, Lord, help me love my neighbor. Change my heart so that I can see the need that people have, the hurt and the hopelessness in our world. Wherever I go, help me to see it and help me to bring life to that moment. Because Lord, I know you're the giver of life. You're the one who blesses. You're the one who provides every need. You're the one who offers eternal life. And because, God, you're the greatest giver, I want to be a cheerful giver, not just with my finances. Yes, with my finances. But I want to be a cheerful giver with my life. I want to give my life away for the sake of the kingdom. And so because, Lord, I know you're the greatest giver of all, you showed unconditional, unwavering, steadfast love for me in my best day and in my worst day. You still love me and you still sent Jesus to die for me. And so because of that great gift, I want my life, I want my life to be a life of giving, a gift to others. I want to be a cheerful giver. And so despite these challenges of the last couple of years, despite all that we've been through, ups and downs and turnarounds and starts and stops and all that craziness that may never end, who knows? I'm thankful that even as Paul encourages the church at Corinthians, that God's been faithful to us. He's been faithful. But now he's calling us sort of finish this part of the task just as he called the church at Corinth to do so. And so I, my desire, my hope, our team, as we look at this, the facilities team, the finance team, our staff and others, as we think about, Lord, how do we move forward? How do we go? How do we trust in you to see this accomplished, this vision that you've given our church? How do we do that? And I shared with you last week that our goal in taking this next step of finishing the commons and the worship center extension is $1.4 million over the next 24 months. Uh, 1.4 in 24. And as one of our church members said this week, by 24, uh, that is 2024. Uh, so we, we want to get it done. We want to do it. We're excited about it. And this week in the mail, I hope all of you got it. Um, if you didn't, uh, that's the reason in your, uh, in your seat back, there's uh, a little brochure. If you didn't get it, it looks like this. 
Um, it's pretty simple, kind of explains uh, where we've been, where we're going, uh, what we've accomplished. And you also got this. It says commitment card. And so I'm, I'm asking you, as you think about being a cheerful giver, as you think about sowing bountifully, not just with your finances, but with your life, I'm gonna ask you to pray with your family. Hopefully you've already started doing that this last week because you got it in the mail. And next Sunday, I don't think we can legally say Super Bowl without paying some fee, but we just did, so it's okay. <laughs> so next week, Super Bowl Sunday, is the... Bengals and the Rams, I don't really care who, which side you're on. They're both exciting teams, great. But we have a more important thing to do. We're going to commit. Uh, we're going to commit. Next Sunday, February 13th, uh, to see this goal accomplished. To see this kingdom impact concept come to fruition. Because if you and I can work together to raise this $1.4 million over the next two years. We'll be able to build the commons and the worship center extension debt-free. And we'll be able to set our sights on what it means to see a new work started. I, I'm, I'm beyond excited about that. I'm thrilled about the possibility of us launching a new thing. I, I, I think the Lord through the New Testament, has shown us that over and over and over again that our calling is to start new things, to take risk, to be bold in our faith, to give beyond what we think we could give, to serve in ways that we never believed we could serve, and God wants us to do it. And so I, I believe as you pray this week, as you look at it with the family, uh, we have a little guide for you on how to give. Uh, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be very honest, we need most everybody. We need probably a lot of people to land somewhere in that uh, 250 to 300 range to make it happen per month, which is about seven grand over the next two years, $3,500 a year extra. That's where we need most people to land. Some of you I know can do a lot more than that. Some of you I know can't do that much. But the goal is to have everyone be a cheerful giver. Everyone. And so if you're a college student or a young adult just starting out, uh, $25 a month, we've got a spot for you. That means don't go to Chick-fil-A twice that month. Okay, don't go to Starbucks once. Just kidding, twice. Uh, it, it's that kind of thing as we think about it. Am I going to be a cheerful giver? How can, I, how can I prioritize my life? It's not just about giving. How can I prioritize my life so that I can sow bountifully? So that I can plant seeds of faith, that I can plant seeds of kingdom experiences, so I can plant seeds of what God would have me to do to advance the gospel, whether that's through my finances, whether that's through my time, whether that's through my relationships, whatever it is, we want to lay that foundation. And part of that for our church family is to create that space for our neighbors. I love my neighbor. 
I've got to want my neighbors, coworkers, friends, classmates, whoever it is. I've got to want them to know Jesus. And so I'm going to prioritize my life to make that happen. And I'm confident that if all of us are cheerful givers, we'll see God bless mightily. So let me remind you, this is a new commitment for everybody. If you gave to prepare the way over the last two years, thank you, you're awesome, you're amazing, you're wonderful, but this is new. So we want everyone to make a brand new commitment over these next two years. And if you're new to the church or you didn't jump on board two years ago, now's the time to be a cheerful giver. Because I, I would love for all 300 plus of those families that give to our church regularly, I'd like all of them to engage in this. What a blessing that would be for the kingdom that we would all jump in. And so pray this week and come ready next Sunday to bring that card. And if you'd like to bring a first gift what a, to jumpstart what we're doing, what an, amazing, what an amazing testimony that would be, that we would come ready to commit and ready to begin giving cheerfully. That's our calling. And so give from your heart Give cheerfully and let's go. I'm ready to go. We've been in second gear for a long time these last two years, just sort of, you know, wanting to go and I'm ready to go. So let's go as a church and see God do great things. Will you pray with me?